Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Real Me In, colon, a movie podcast where you didn't really ask for it, but hey, I'm going to give it to you anyways. This is a podcast where I talk about anything, everything, or anything about movies. I'm your host, Chase Lee, and hey guys, listen, uh, first before we uh, begin the uh, the episode, I want to say that I got a sponsor for this episode, and it is uh, Rebecca Maynard Photography at RebeccaMaynard.com. Now, if you don't know uh, what this is, that's okay, that's what I'm here to explain it for. This uh, This website... Uh, is run by Rebecca Manor. I went to school with her and whatnot, and she's really good at taking uh, uh, photos and whatnot. And uh, I got some photos done recently uh, this past week for, you know, just my YouTube channel and just be more, a little bit more professional in my photos and whatnot. And uh, her, her, you know, depth of field and just the way she uses her colors in every single shot is just simply amazing. So if you guys are looking for some headshots because you want to be a, an actor or you want, you want some wedding photography or you just want some portraits, you want some engagement photos, baby photos, whatever the hell, then you got it. I recommend her uh, um, a lot. And if you want uh, some examples or whatever, go on my Facebook page, I uh, my profile picture is uh, done by her my youtube banner i use one of her photos and stuff so i'm kind of just like using her all over the place so uh yeah i am sponsored by uh her for this episode so there you go go check her out and tell her that i sent you and uh yeah so uh welcome to the podcast guys this is where i talk about movies and shit if you're new welcome what i do is i'll go over some movie news some movie trailers and i will give you my thoughts on movies coming out that weekend and the two movies up for uh uh on the docket today are sausage party and peach dragon and it is one of the few episodes in my repertoire that basically are both porno names and they are both sexual innuendos um which one's the kids film and which one's the r-rated raunchy comedy I have no fucking clue, <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I'm, you, you should know by now, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm really excited to do this episode, guys, so, um, uh, welcome, uh, all, all, uh, everyone, uh, if you were watching on Facebook Live, then comment down below and, uh, join in the conversation, and, uh, you know, uh, Spreaker, YouTube, if you want to, um, you know, comment as well, I will, uh, do my best to respond. Um, before, uh, I begin to the actual episode, uh, it was really funny because last week I tried Facebook Live at the top of my computer. That way I can kind of like look at you guys as I'm talking and whatnot. But I um, I started uh, recording or whatever, and my computer was so hot that it actually drained all of my uh, my phone battery, and my phone died. Like it was just it just drained it. it was, my computer just said fuck it, I'm done. I you're game over. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went back to uh, the side view, which is, I know it's not appealing because you guys are looking at me from a side or whatever, but I try to, you know, look at every single camera and whatnot um, uh, evenly. So I apologize for that if you do not like the side look. But uh, I I figured you guys like this on Facebook Live, so I didn't want to quit it. All right. And uh, well, I guess uh, I guess I don't have the, this thing uh, organized. So uh, one last thing before uh, I begin: if you want an audio-only version of the podcast, link will be in the description below. And if you want a video version, uh, and you are listening on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or SoundCloud, link will be in the description below. All right. So without further ado, guys, let's uh, let's get into this. Let's get into this uh, the shit, if you will. Um, all right. So the first piece of news. Uh, let's move on to the movie news. A little bit of appetizers to uh, wet your mouth. Uh, that sounded gross. But then again, we're talking about sausage party today. So uh, yeah, let's talk about some movie news. Uh, the first piece of news is that uh, uh, Man of Steel two uh, has been announced for development. Now, if you guys don't know this, uh, Man of Steel uh, it came out in 2013, and then you know Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice came out you know earlier this year, and now we have Suicide Squad. So the three movies deep into this new DC cinematic universe. Now, I am one of those guys, I'm one of those crazy fuckers, I know, 
that uh, that loved Man of Steel, and I really, really wanted to see a sequel after the first one was done. I even I even loved the movie when I saw it in theaters because usually. Um, movies take a couple times for people to kind of love it or whatever man of steel was one of those for me that i just loved it instantly i wanted to see more of it and i'm more of a fan of uh kind of like the darker uh take of superman uh for what we got versus you know the christopher reeve superman you know that has to save a kitten from a tree and you call it a day um sorry you know, there you go. So, uh, so uh, yeah, no, I just, uh, I really love Man of Steel and whatnot, but Man of Steel 2 is happening. Now, I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with this because if you guys have seen Batman v Superman, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, you know, something catastrophic happens to Superman, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens moving forward, but to have a solo uh, Man of Steel movie, it's going to be really cool because now that they've gotten Lex Luthor out of the way, now they can, you know, branch out and use different villains and whatnot and have his own solo movie drive his character even more. And especially after the events of BVS, that's why I'm telling you, like when you see that movie and you see what happens to him, it's going to be interesting to see how they progress his character and just how they expand the mythology overall. But I'm really excited for it. So it looks like a, uh, they're really going to get into fast development of it, having a Man of Steel 2. And I know uh, the Batman movie is coming with uh, Ben Affleck's Batman stuff. So those are probably the two uh, standalones I'm looking forward to the most. Only because I've seen, you know, uh, I've seen a Batman movie before and I've seen Man of Steel 1. So I'm excited to uh, kind of see where they go from there. Uh, the next piece of news is that Brie Larson, good, good old Brie Larson, she was cast as Captain Marvel, uh, I think uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I've been a fan of hers ever since I saw her in uh, Short Term 12 and 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street showed me that she has comedic chops and she is willing to kind of do that raunchy route. And then Short Term 12 and especially Room, the one she won her Oscar for, showed me and showed everyone else in the world that this chick can act. She Not only is she absolutely uh, drop-dead gorgeous, but uh, she's uber-talented and she's like in her 20s. So like she's still young and she's still going to progress her career and just grow and it's just so amazing to see. But speaking of growing her career, she's going to be directing a movie. Um, it's called Unicorn Store and um, I, you know, I don't really know what the movie's about, but it's going to be a smaller indie film because that's what she's best at. Brie Larson, when she does like Short Term 12 and Room, it, it shows that uh, it doesn't matter the size of the budget, she is going to just kill it and just rock it. So, her directing her first uh, kind of feature, I'm really fucking excited for. Like, I, you guys have no idea. Like, like I said, when you see Room and when you see Short Term 12, her acting is so out there and just so outstanding that you just you want to see more from her. And the fact that she's going to step behind the camera and direct other actors and actresses and bring the performance out of them knowing that she can deliver a performance herself is awesome. And she's going to be uh, the main character in Unicorn Store. So she's going to be directing herself, but I know that, you know, since she's an Oscar winner and stuff, like she's going to deliver uh, either way. So, but I'm excited to see what she's going to do uh, and kind of do what you know, like a, what a Chris Evans does, or like a Robert Downey Jr., and do these big Marvel films, and then do smaller indie films after that. And the fact that she's gonna like kind of direct her first one uh, out of the gate as Captain Marvel now—that's pretty cool. So I, I'm really uh, excited to see that. All right, the next piece of news. Oh dear Lord! All right, so last week we talked about the Rotten Tomatoes discussion of uh, you know 
that one 15-year-old kid who just eats Cheetos and Mountain Dew Code Red in his mother's basement every single week, uh, petitioning to get Rotten Tomatoes off the uh, um, interwebs because uh, they were very pissed that Suicide Squad has a low score. Well, the drama continues. Uh, Not from that story, but from another story. Now, there's this kid from, uh, I believe, Europe? It was like Norway or something? I should probably do my research more, but you guys know that I I don't do that. Um... this this kid is he wants to sue Warner Brothers because of false advertising because the Joker is not in it that much, and I don't I don't know the logistics of the case. I just know that uh, that was it, and I read the article, or whatever, and I'm just like, dear God, like are are people just getting so butt hurt over this movie? Like, we shut down Rotten Tomatoes, and now this, and it's like, okay. When you watch the trailers, the Joker is in there quite a bit, and they're really pushing him to advertise uh, to you know bring people into the movie. I don't see this false advertising. I see it as a dick move that they did that, and they didn't show half of that footage in the movie that they showed in the trailer. I don't consider it false advertising, though, because guess what? The Joker was in there. If the Joker was not in the movie, period, there might be a different case, but... They advertised the Joker was going to be in there, and guess what? He is in there. Granted, it is a very small role, but he is in there. That's not false advertising. That's just a dick move on Warner Brothers because they did have a, like a lot of footage from um, Jared Leto's Joker, and they didn't use the majority of it. So, <laughs> it, yeah, it's not really false advertising. It's just a dick move on their part. And, you know, after seeing the movie twice... I still firmly believe that the Joker should have been the main villain and he should have not been sidelined in this weird, you know, side plot and really kind of develop his character that way or just wait until you put him in another film where he can be the main villain and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, um, once again, can't really get mad at these people because they're 15-year-old kids. They don't really know better. They don't know what the real world is. So, you know, it's cute. It's adorable. But uh, they're not going to fucking win these, uh, you know, petitions and uh, lawsuits and whatnot. Just, just calm down. Go... I don't know, go sit in the corner with your little graham crackers and juice boxes and just just simmer down, folks. Just simmer the fuck down. So, yeah, I just I can't stand these fucking people that want to do lawsuits and petitions and whatnot. So, okay. And the last piece of news is another piece of uh, superhero news. And uh, the main villain of Aquaman has been released. And uh, it has been announced that Black Manta will be the main villain for Aquaman. Now, I didn't know who Black Manta was. I know who Aquaman is because I don't, I'm not really deep in the comic book lore of uh, most characters. But as these movies come out and stuff, I'm, I'm starting to research more and really kind of get into the mythology of all these characters, villains, and side characters. And I was looking at Black Manta. I'm going to pull it up for you guys. This is a really great villain. Um, I was reading it, and apparently this is... Um, uh, uh, Black Manta was a little boy that actually got kidnapped and he was forced to work on a ship uh, and he was sexually abused by his captors. Now, you, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh shit, this is fucking dark. Yeah, damn right you are. Um, but when he's on this ship and he's being held captive, he actually sees Aquaman and Aquaman does not help him. Like, he actually cries out for help and stuff, and uh, he signals him, and uh, Aquaman doesn't see him. So, of course, he grows up, and he basically wants to take revenge on him because, you know, he kind of fucked him over as a child. Um, 
And then he uh, he gets this like black sh- suit with like these giant like uh, praying mantis eyes that are red and stuff, and they shoot laser beams and whatnot. And after after reading that, and that's just a like a basic lo- logistics of the character. I'm not like gonna get super deep into it, but reading his backstory and how damaged he is, I'm kind of ex- I'm excited to see like them go for it and go like this dark route because. Uh, you know, Aquaman is going to be directed by James Wan, who has done, like, the Insidious films and the Conjuring films and uh, the first Saw and whatnot. He's one of my favorite horror directors around, and he's going to take this property and turn it into, like, a dark horror film. And having this backstory of the villain, I really hope they go with it because that's going to really kind of bring the character depth uh, that we need from a villain to feel a little sympathy for him. So uh, if, if they go this route and they use that backstory, I'm totally down for this. I'm excited to see uh, this movie, uh, especially since James Wan is going to be uh, directing this film. I am excited. Holy shit. Just re- reading that backstory made, me, made my little hairs on the back of my neck just kind of stand up, kind of wiggle around, you know, kind of cringe a little bit, and just was like, yeah, I, I, I'm ready for this. So that's it for the news, guys. Um what was your favorite piece of uh, news uh, this week? Uh, mine is definitely uh, that Brie Larson is going to be directing her first indie uh, feature. I'm excited to see what she does with it. So let's move on, guys, to another appetizer of the uh, podcast, and that would be trailers. There was a bunch of trailers that dropped, so let's talk about them. All right, the first trailer I want to talk about is Sea of Trees. Now, this one stars Ken Watanabe and Matthew McConaughey. Eh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I can't do it uh, this early in the morning, but uh, maybe I'll uh, – my uh, impression will get better as I talk about the trailer. So, Sea of Trees is about uh, this guy, played by Matthew McConaughey, who is feeling a little bit depressed in his life, and he wants to go kill himself. And so, he goes to Japan, where there is this, you know, uh, place, uh, uh, the Sea of Trees, essentially, where people go to commit suicide. It's like a it's like a suicide communal ground, and it's kind of disturbing. Um this this movie is gonna be directed by Gus Van Sant, who you know has directed movies like Goodwill Hunting and Milk and stuff. So he's a very uh, prestigious director that really kind of brings out these deep, rich stories and just uh, has these great characters that you just want to kind of follow and whatnot. So this movie premiered at uh, I believe Sundance or I think it was like TIFF last year. I forgot where it premiered, but it premiered. People fucking hated this movie. Like, legit, like, they want to, like, throw, um, you know, their their fists at their computer screen as they're watching it and whatnot, uh, when they're, uh, well, not computer screen, but, you know, the, the movie theater screen. I watched the trailer, and yes, it is very depressing, and it really has, like, kind of this dour tone, but I feel like it could be a really good drama, like, a really good kind of just, um, drama that just really kind of gets under your skin with, like, uh, you know problems that everyone goes through and whatnot you could, you could probably relate to some of these things and whatnot so watching the trailer i i feel like mcconaughey's gonna give a good performance kim watanabe's gonna give a good performance it shot very well uh it's very um like i said it's kind of got those like gray tones or whatever so it's kind of bringing down the mood but then again that's what the whole movie's about is committing suicide so um yeah the trailer looks good i'm not gonna say it looks like great or anything i'm not like you know super stoked to see it but it looks good. It looks good. You know, it looks like a good little movie that um, uh, you would want to go to if uh, you're just feeling down or if you went through a breakup or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> and plus, I love me some McConaughey. I love him uh, uh, ever since Days and Confused, man. Just, uh, 
even some of the shitty rom-coms, man. Like, I don't blame him. Like, listen, if you looked like Matthew McConaughey and you had a six-pack like he did back in the day and, P- uh, and the studios offered you $10 million to do a movie, you'd fucking do it. But now he's starting to come back on track and do a lot more dramatic work like he did with, like, A Time to Kill and whatnot uh, back in the day before he did go on the rom-com romp. Um, you know, with movies like Lincoln Lawyer, Killer Joe, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, and then the awesome eight episodes of uh, True Detective. So, McConaughey, uh, keep doing your thing, but this trailer looks pretty good. But then again, I like depressing shit, so take that for what you will. Alright, the next trailer I want to talk about is... Uh, it's a TV. It's a TV one. It's a uh, Netflix. Um, this one is... Uh, uh, Luke Cage. Now, if you guys don't know who Luke Cage is, he is the um, uh, guy with impenetrable skin. Uh, uh, he's very strong and stuff, and basically, uh, you cannot puncture him because he will kill you. Um, no, Luke Cage is a part of the the Marvel uh, Netflix universe and stuff with like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and now Iron Fist. Luke Cage is now getting his own show because he first appeared in um, uh, Jessica Jones last year. And I really liked his character. I liked his uh, chemistry with Jessica Jones. I liked his powers and stuff. The fact that he could flick a fucking guy like on the cheek and he could just like fly across the room or whatever. It is great. So um, he's getting his own series and it comes out uh, September 30th, I believe, uh, or at the end of September. And uh, um, the trailer dropped and I really loved it, man. It's got like this like gritty urban feel to it. It's got so much spunk and charisma and like just so much style to the Luke Cage character and whatnot. I just, I feel like this could be the best one um, next to Daredevil because Daredevil is an amazing show. If you guys have not seen Daredevil, for the love of God, go watch it. Even if you're not a superhero fan, it's a really great drama with superhero elements in it, uh, you know, from a lawyer that is blind and he can basically kick ass. Um, but yeah, what I like about these Netflix shows is that they feel gritty and realistic and stuff and very, very grounded as if you could find your fucking neighbor with these powers across the street. This is what the show is like. And that's what Luke Cage, um, uh, is bringing and the action looks really cool. Looks like there's gonna be more action in this than in Daredevil and Jessica Jones. This trailer's fucking awesome. I cannot wait for Luke Cage and then Iron Fist and the Defenders. The whole Marvel Netflix universe is probably my favorite thing Marvel has ever slapped their name on. Yes, that includes like anything from Disney, Fox, uh, Sony, whatever. This is the best thing they've ever produced. It is great stuff. Alright, the next trailer I want to talk about is Bad Santa 2. Okay, so the first Bad Santa came out, I believe. What was it, 13 years ago, <laughs> like 2003, and uh, I really like Billy Bob Thornton in it, it's just a really crass, like, crude comedy, but, you know, deep, deep underneath the layers of the crude crassness, there is a lot of heart to it and stuff, and he really does uh, seem like a likable person towards the end of the film, which is very um, admirable on the director's part, because his character is very vile in the beginning of the movie, but you, for some weird reason, you just want to follow this guy's adventures and, like, his, uh, his elf um, partner in crime and whatnot. And this one, they, uh, they try to steal from like a, I believe it's like a charity or something like that. It's fucking ridiculous. Like I just, <laughs> these, oh man. Like, so the first one, you know, they still, they want to steal money from a mall and stuff. Like it's, it's very genius. Like they, uh, they apply for themselves to be the Santa at the malls and whatnot. And then they steal uh, money at night and whatnot. This one, they're stealing from like a charity and whatnot. It's just, 
It's a ridiculous trailer. It's Red Band and stuff. It didn't really like make me like laugh out loud, but I enjoyed seeing these characters back. I enjoyed seeing Billy Bob Thornton come back. The fucking little kid from the first one, he's all grown up now, and he didn't change. Like, his face still looks the same. And it's like, that's creepy as hell. So, um, I think it looks very entertaining, and I'm definitely looking forward to it, because I really do like the, the first Bad Santa a lot. I think it's a very underrated kind of Christmas uh, classic of a movie, if you will. If you want something different than like a family-oriented movie, you can watch something that's R-rated and dirty. So uh, I really love Bad Santa, and Bad Santa 2 looks pretty damn cool. The next one I want to talk about is Arrival. Now this one, I believe, yeah, this one's my favorite one of uh, the week for sure. Arrival is directed by Denis Villeneuve, who has done uh, films like Prisoners, uh, Enemy, uh, Sicario, he's going to be doing the new Blade Runner sequel, and now he's doing Arrival. And Arrival stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and essentially, uh, you know, these aliens come down or whatever, and they are sent to go communicate with them and kind of uh, understand why they're here and whatnot. This trailer, it's just a fucking teaser, but it ropes me in. The atmosphere of the movie is palpable. I fucking love the way it looks. It, it feels like a District 9 where it's like you could actually see this this happening in the back uh, backyard or whatever. And you're just kind of witnessing uh, all this and you, you're you believing it right there because you, you see it and stuff. It doesn't look fake or whatever. It looks like a... Like a um, an alien mix with a twenty one or two thousand one a space odyssey. It just it looks really fucking cool, and it's just a teaser, short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, the atmosphere is there. The excuse me, the tone is there. It is all there. I cannot fucking wait. Um, just watch this trailer, and if you're sold, I would recommend not watching any more like full length trailers. Um, just because I feel like this teaser was was just enough to hook you. But I don't really want any more um, um, trailers because I know for a fact that this is going to uh, it, it, it might ruin some like plots or twists or whatever because you know that the trailers nowadays just really love to fucking put the whole movie in there and just ruin your day. All right, the next trailer I want to talk about, <laughs> um, I don't really want to talk about, it, but it was one of the new ones that came up. So uh, here we go. Um, Resident Evil: The Final Chapter. Now, if you're if you guys are thinking just like I was, you're like, oh dear lord, there's more of them. Guess what? I'm sorry to ruin your Sunday. Um, yeah, no, Resident Evil: The Final Chapter released its first trailer online. It looks like garbage, just like the rest of them. I think the last one I saw in theaters was like number four. I don't even remember like the the names to them. Like you have Resident Evil. I'm gonna see if I can do this like the top top of my head. Resident Evil Apocalypse, Resident Evil Extinction, Resident Evil Afterlife, Resident Evil Retribution, and I think the sixth one was like Resident Evil uh, Zombie Testicles. I have no fucking clue because I, I don't – listen, they're not good movies. And now if you if you like them on a guilty pleasure level, have at it, Hoss. You, you, you do your thing. But for me personally, I just don't find them entertaining or even visually appealing, so – uh, yeah, this trailer just pretty much confirms that, and the fact that it's the final chapter, it's not going to be the final chapter, but it will be the final chapter in this storyline, whatever storyline is left, so, um, yeah, I uh, just, uh, it's, it's Resident Evil, what would you guys expect me to say, come on, uh, so, uh, yeah, that is it for that trailer, please let me know down below if you actually like these movies, I I'm curious. 
The next one I want to talk about is Mr. Church. And this one stars Eddie Murphy, and it's a drama uh, about this guy played by Eddie Murphy, who basically is like a caretaker to this uh, young little girl and basically just sees her grow up and have a kid of her own. And that was basically the whole movie, right? Because, you know, the trailer just ruined it. Um, it looks it looks cool. I guess like, cool as in, like, you know, drama. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it looks like Eddie Murphy's really kind of... Um, going back to his dramatic roots and whatnot and uh, kind of really show us that he actually is a talented actor and whatnot. He just, you know, uh, doesn't need to be in these shitty comedies. And it looks like he's going to really kind of bring not like an Oscar caliber performance, but, you know, a very good performance and something that you could leave the theater going, hey, that was pretty good. So, Mr. Church, drama, Eddie Murphy. Check the trailer if you want to. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Allied, and this is a teaser trailer from Robert Zemeckis, who's the guy that has brought us, um, you know, Back to the Future, Castaway, Forrest Gump, even with the recent one, Flight, and even the the Walk uh, from last year, which I really enjoyed. The Walk, I don't, I still can't believe that movie failed at the box office. But um, this one stars Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard, and um, I don't know what it's really about. I just know that. Uh, Brad Pitt, Marion Cotillard are like running from Nazis, I believe. I don't know. The trailer's really short, and maybe the story was played out, and I'm just dumb. But uh, it really is just a teaser to kind of just show you that hey, this is coming. Um, so I'm sure the full trailer will have like a, a better detail of the story. But seeing Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard together is really cool because Marion kind of looks like Angelina Jolie, and you know Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt are married. They have great chemistry and stuff. Uh, Marion Cotillard looks like she's going to have really great chemistry with Brad Pitt and stuff. And I'm always excited to see a Robert Zemeckis movie. Like I said, I really love Flight. And I really like uh, The Walk quite a bit. So, for me personally, like uh, Zemeckis has been killing it uh, as of you know recent. So, yeah, there you go. Um, and that's it for that uh, trailer. Like I said, I can't really talk. It's like a minute long. But um, it looks really cool. I, I, I'm a sucker for... Uh, World War II era type movies with either Nazis or the Holocaust or whatever. I know it's really horrible to say, but I'm a fan of uh, that time in uh, history because it was one of the most deplorable times in history. And I kind of just want to understand like how we got to a point as a human race. But, you know, it's uh, for a different podcast. Um, uh, and the last trailer. You guys know, you guys wanted me to talk about it. And I'm not really a Star Wars fan, but, you know, it dropped. Um, the Rogue One main trailer dropped. And it is the first trailer... Uh, you know, that this movie has dropped, because they released a teaser a while back, didn't really do much uh, for me, this one, once again, guys, I apologize, and I know I'm going to piss people off, I am not a Star Wars fan, never have been, never will, I think they're fine movies, they're entertaining movies, they're they're whatever, they're, they're kids movies, they are, they're, they're nice sci-fi adventure movies, and if you like them, that's totally fine, and I'm not going to sound like a hypocrite, because I like comic book stuff, and those can sometimes be very kid-driven and oriented, so I get it. You you cling on to whatever you want to cling on to. As far as Star Wars goes, not really a huge fan. However, I like this trailer quite a bit. I think it looks very good. I think the cinematography is breathtaking. Uh, I think the action sequences look really well handled, because when they said that this is going to be a war film, I really hoped that they would go into like these dark, kind of horrific, violent places, and I think they're going to do that. The characters look really cool. The world building looks really cool and stuff. I'm actually looking forward to this one more than The Force Awakens, only because I don't have any connection to any of these characters. Now, when The Force Awakens came out, you know people have a connection to Han Solo uh, 
you know, Princess Leia and uh, Luke Skywalker and stuff. Since I'm not really a huge fan of the movies, I don't have that connection. But maybe I enjoyed this one more because I don't have a connection to any of these characters. And it's kind of like a brand new property. So maybe that's why I'm looking forward to it the most. But it looks like a really epic war film. I like the trailer quite a bit. So uh, Rogue One, the main trailer, gets a thumbs up from a non-Star Wars fan. So there you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's it for the trailers, guys. Guys, uh, what was your favorite trailer? My favorite trailer... Oh, man, that Luke Cage trailer was so good. Uh, I probably have to go with... Um... With Arrival, even though it was only a teaser, I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, um, Luke Cage and Arrival will be my favorite one. So, what are some of your favorite trailers uh, from this week? Uh, there was a lot of them. Comment, place on my face. Let me know. Guys, we are out of the appetizers. We've finished the plates and we've, we've pushed the plates to the side. Now, let's get into the main course. The main course of the podcast, which you guys are all here for, and that would be my reviews of Sausage Party and Peach Dragon. Which one's the porno? Which one's the R-rated comedy? Which one's the kids' movie? You don't, you can't, you can't fucking tell, because they're both sexual innuendos. Okay, let's do Sausage Party first. Now, let me just preface this by saying this: I am a huge Seth Rogen fan. I love Seth Rogen. I love most of his movies. I think he's great uh, comedically. I think he's great dramatically. This guy is a talent. Whether you want to believe it or not, he can create funny movies. He can create entertaining movies. He can deliver performances, a performance that's out of the blue that just catches you off guard. And you're like, whoa, that was Rogan. Like when you watch Steve Jobs from last year or even uh, Take This Waltz, you know, smaller films that he's in. He's really good. So I know that he's got talent under there. And just a lot of people dismiss him because he makes a lot of movies with a bunch of weed, dick, and fart jokes. I get it. I totally fucking get it. But for some weird reason, when he writes them and he constructs them with you know his improv and having his other actors uh, feed off that improv, it works. It works for me. So I don't know how to explain it. So um, I was really looking forward to Sausage Party quite a bit. I, it was one. Of, I think it was in my top five anticipated for the year. That's how much I was looking forward to it. So when you have like this R-rated animated feature, and you're going to deliver it in such a crude fashion and whatnot, it could have the standings of being like this crazy screwball comedy that you just are entertained by from start to finish. Now I saw this movie. And I gotta say, this movie is not particularly funny. However, this movie is extremely clever and smart. What do I mean by that? Well, let's get real and break this down, folks, because this is this is going to get tricky. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I, I will get into uh, some of the main themes of the movie that will surprise you because I did not see them coming, and that's why they kind of threw me off a little bit. So let's reveal, uh, <laughs> reveal. Let's review Sausage Party. Let's uh, let's start with the writing and directing. Now it is directed by uh, one of the guys that did the first Shrek and one of the guys that has done Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, uh, shorts, so what, what a great combo. What a great <laughs> duo of people. Peepoo. Um, 
For the most part, I thought they directed a very entertaining movie. Like I said, some of the dialogue and some of the jokes really fall flat or they're just really trying too hard and being on the nose with some of the food humor mixed in with like sex humor. I get it. I realize hot dog, bun, slip it in there. I get all of that. Um, However, I thought it was a little too on the nose and they were trying too hard to get that laugh. However, this movie is entertaining from start to finish and it's a lot smarter than it gives off. When I was going into this movie, I was expecting a laugh romp a riot and just you know kind of crying in my seat and just you know enjoying life but this film has a lot of uh integrity to it it has a lot of great themes and elements to this that kind of just throw you off guard for instance there is a lot of religious aspects in this film there's a lot of sexuality uh explained in this film there's a lot of social uh classes uh, and, you know, what it means to live and what's your purpose in life. And coming from an R-rated, like, raunchy movie like Sausage Party, I was really surprised that they went that route with some of their stuff in the story. And I thought it really worked. It was like this weird satire on life told in animated food form. It was genius. So, with the writing and with the directing, because it, it's a you know collaborative effort in this one for sure... I really enjoyed all the undertones of the serious issues plaguing our society today. I really, really fucking love that stuff. But this movie is not particularly funny. There are a couple of jokes that landed and I really, it really hit me and I was like, that was fantastic. Um, but for the most part, I feel like they were trying too hard being on the nose with the food, sexual humor and stuff and the vulgarity and the cursing and stuff. And you guys know this. You guys watch the podcast all the time. I fucking curse all the time. However, I did think that they were trying a little too hard once again in the cursing and be like, oh, look, it's a hot dog saying fuck or motherfucker or, you know, uh, shit or whatever. So I get it. They're cursing and whatnot. But there were a couple of lines where it felt like they just threw in the F word uh, in between two words that didn't really it didn't really flow well. So it was just kind of like a really kind of jagged uh, sentence or whatever. So. Um, I appreciate the creativity in this film because it is super creative. It is very inventive in terms of the way um, a comedy can be portrayed. Because most comedies are straight up raunch. And this this film is straight up raunch. I will tell you that right now. But the undertones to it really stand this movie above most comedies and make it smarter than it actually is. And I have to give huge credit to the directors and the writers, which include Seth uh, Rogen and his partner Evan Goldberg, who came up with this idea and really kind of hone in like this weird mishmash of a satire on society. I thought for the most part they nailed it, uh, except for the humor. Acting-wise, so voice acting, um, Seth Rogen is a, a hot dog, sure. <laughs> um, he's, he's Seth Rogen. Um, Kristen Wiig uh, plays you know the hot dog bun. She's fine. Um... I think everyone, for the most part, does fine. Um, I guess one of my weaknesses is I don't understand why they got Edward Norton or Selma Hayek to do this movie. I get it. They're probably friends with them and whatnot, but they really didn't need to be in there. You could have gotten anyone to do their voices. Um, it wouldn't have been... You couldn't even really tell. Um, Paul Rudd. <laughs> this fucking guy. He is a chameleon. Because I knew he was going to be in this movie because he's listed in the credits. But I didn't see which character he was playing. So, as the movie was, you know, playing, I was like, who is this guy? And so, at the end of the, the credits, you find out who, and I'm like, 
Oh my god. He altered his voice so much that I couldn't even fucking tell it was him. Same thing with Bill Hader. Bill Hader's parts were very, very funny. And uh, I couldn't tell it was him either. So, Paul Rudd and uh, Bill Hader definitely stand out in their uh, their chameleonisms in this movie. And I couldn't even tell they were them, but they delivered a, a pretty funny performance. Um, my, my standout, though. And this is going to sound very weird, because I really do like Michael Sarah quite a bit. But he was the best part about the movie. Now, some of the things his uh, little hot dog character does are a little out there and kind of uh, um, a little overdone. But then again, this whole movie's over the top, so it didn't fucking bother me. But I really like his vo- uh, liked his voice um, in the animated film. Now, he's going to be playing Robin in the Batman Lego movie uh, next year. So, this is kind of like a, a little tease as to how good he can be. But, listen, I like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World quite a bit. I like him in Arrested Development, and I like him super bad. That's that's about as far as I'll take it. And even in This is the End, he played himself, and that was really funny. But he's really damn good at voice work, and he needs to really consider uh, revitalizing his career by doing more animated films, whether it be for kids or whether it be for adults. He's really fucking good. I believed that little hot dog was alive. I didn't hear Michael Sarah's voice. I heard this little deformed hot dog trying to figure out his place in life. So I thought he really delivered um, in this film the most. He was definitely my favorite part. Um, Cinematography-wise, and and this will go into the animation. I'll kind of talk about the animation as well. I thought the animation was fine for what it is because it is going to be an R-rated comedy and they're not going to have... this grand, like, super detailed animation and whatnot. So I know it's going to be, like, kind of B-level, a little bit of professional, whatever, because it's not going to have, that you know, the big budgets of, like, a Pixar or, like, you know, a Sony animated film or a Warner Brothers animated film. So I get that. Um, but the animation, for the most part, looks fine. It looks clean. Uh, it adds... It's very bright and colorful and stuff, and it kind of adds to the overcooked campiness of making fun of, like, the Disney films and the Pixar films and whatnot. So, I thought for the most part, the cinematography looked, looked, it looked fine for what the movie is and whatnot. Um, and some of the, uh, the city scenes, uh, when they, you know, finally exit the supermarket and go into the city and even go into someone's house, I thought that looked really cool in, uh, um, the way they, uh, sh- uh, constructed the animation, um, uh, paired up with the, the shots and whatnot, especially the scene in the trailer where the food goes into the the house or whatever and they're getting chopped up or whatever. That scene was horrific. It was amazing. Like horrific is in the sense of like it, it felt like a like this weird like horror movie that you were watching and it was kind of shot uh, shot and lit well uh, and whatnot. So I really love that scene quite a bit. Um, so the cinematography overall is pretty pretty good. Um, editing. Uh, wise, the movie's an hour and a half. It starts out with a bang, and it starts out uh, with really setting this tone, um, uh, really displaying like what this movie's gonna be, and it, it, it you know, heads at a thousand miles an hour. So, uh, I was really kind of hooked uh, from the beginning. In the middle of the movie, I kind of felt the drag a little bit, just because it, like I said, it wasn't that funny, but it was just really intriguing and entertaining. So I was just kind of. Um, uh, there was a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of serious stuff in the movie. And that's not a bad thing. I, like I said, I praise that. But it does slow the movie down a bit because this is a comedy first and foremost. And since this wasn't that funny in my opinion, um, the energy kind of dies a little bit. But intrigued and entertained, once again. 
So, uh, overall, guys, I gotta say this. This is one of my favorite Seth Rogen movies he's ever slapped his name on. However, it is definitely not the funniest movie he's ever touched. But I do applaud the directors, the writers, and producers to really kind of bring a more deeply affected movie than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be this fucking laugh riot for an hour and a half, wham, bam, get in the theater, get out, and have a good day. However, I really love the religious undertones so much. So much. Like, you have no fucking clue how smart it is. It is super clever. And I just... It's such a great satire on society. Like... In the human race in general, I, I just I don't know how to explain it. Just go watch the movie. But I'm telling you this now, so when you go see the movie, don't be discouraged if it's not that funny. But it's actually got a lot of uh, important things to say. So overall, I really enjoyed this film. Entertaining, not really funny. Enjoyed the voice work for the most part. Michael Sarah is a standout, and it's got a lot of great things to say. Guys, I'm going to give Sausage Party a B-. minus. I still think you should go see it. Yes, it is very vulgar, and yes, at the end of the movie, there is uh, some uh, stuff happening. <laughs> um, uh, and also, I forgot to mention, at the end of the movie, the way the movie ends, I didn't mind the ending. I wish they would have extended it a little more with more footage of live action, and that's I will, that's all I will say. Uh, but yeah, I forgot to mention that. But it doesn't really bother me. I just, I kind of wish I just would have saw like maybe five minutes more with uh, whatever they were trying to accomplish. Um, but yeah, just be forewarned. This is an R-rated movie. Don't bring your fucking kids to see it. Um, it's vulgar as all shit. God, there's so much um, stuff in there to where if it was live action. It would definitely be NC-17. So just be forewarned if you're not into that stuff. But for me personally, that is into the R-rated raunchy stuff. Sausage Party is a very entertaining one. And uh, and a very great satire. So I I really enjoyed it. B-minus, guys. So what did you guys think of Sausage Party? And uh, are you going to plan on seeing it? You don't want to see it? Wait until rental or whatever? Comment in the place on my face and let me know. All right. So let's jump into movie number two. And that would be... Pete's Dragon. Now, this is the uh, kids' film of the bunch, even though Pete's Dragon still sounds like a sexual innuendo, just like Sausage Party. Um, this is a uh, a remake of the 70s film. I believe it was the 70s. I don't know. I wasn't alive back then, but uh, I, from what I read, it was the 77? I forgot, but anyways, Pete's Dragon... Uh, the old one was uh, this film with an animated dragon mixed in with a live action setting of uh, this boy who basically grows up with this dragon or whatever and then people want to try to take it down and you know the the kid tries to show them oh hey the dragon's not evil or whatever it's a very like um, generic story it's not anything that's like out of the ordinary or anything that they were trying to do new or whatever it's just something they remade and updated the technology and whatnot. so um I wasn't really looking forward to Peach Dragon, but a lot of people that I know that have seen it really, really fucking loved it. So, um, case in point, uh, uh, one of the guys I, I do videos for, Scott Menzel on We Live Entertainment, he fucking hated Sausage Party. So I already knew that going in, but he convinced me and he actually really liked Peach Dragon a lot. So I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm totally on board for this. So I wasn't expecting much. But when I got out of the movie, I was surprised. It was a nice little solid family 
excuse me, nice little solid family film. So let's get real and break this down. We'll start with the writing and directing. Now, in terms of the way the movie is written, once again, this is not anything new that we have seen. Boy um, uh, ends up with a dragon in the woods, lives there for six years. People find him. People, uh, you know, take the boy into a hospital. The dragon looks for the boy. People get scared of the dragon. Some idiots uh, in the town try to take it down. Then the boy tries to convince them that the, you know, it's, it's stuff, you know, like with like little, uh, like monster movies with like with kids and stuff. Like it's the same, same deal. You know, like I just, it's not anything uh, exciting or new, but as far as a like solid, um, film, I think it's really well handled in terms of the story and the characters and whatnot. And I think this is a movie that you can bring your family to and bring your kids and bring your grandma, bring your fucking dog. I don't know, but it's just a really uh, kind of just nice little family film. And I really got to give them props because at the beginning of the movie starts out with a really dark thing. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is a Disney movie. So I really like the opening quite a bit. It's a really powerful opening. Um, but then, yeah, after that, it just kind of dribbles on and kind of does their thing or whatnot. There are some characters that don't really need to be there or a little bit underdeveloped, but like I said, it didn't really bother me because I felt like the magical quality of the film and it just felt like a really magical adventure. That's something that Disney would do and whatnot. Um, I mean, they have done it. This is a remake. Um, so as far as the directing goes, I think what he did was he constructed a pretty... Like I said, just a magical adventure that you can just enjoy. I mean, there's really nothing more to say. There's nothing new that's attempted. There's nothing old or tiring that's, like, going to piss you off or anything. But it is a story that's been done over and over again. But I think the director puts a stamp on it by making the dragon look very adorable and pettable and uh, very dog-like and stuff. So um, I think the director, for the most part, gave us a, a, a solid movie. I know I'm gonna say I'm saying solid a lot because it, it just is. There's nothing really that excited me about it. There's nothing that's terrible about it. It's just like, eh, it's fine. Um, as far as the uh, the acting goes, uh, the little boy that plays Pete, he does a pretty good job. Uh, I, I really liked uh, his performance. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, she's fine. Robert Redford, sure. Wes Bentley. Sure, I just, I, I, this is not a film that you walk out and go, well, hot damn, that acting deserves an Oscar nomination. It's it's fine, it's serviceable, let's put it that way. Because I've never been like a huge fan of Bryce Dallas Howard, but I understand um, that she's got some talent. There's stuff, there's glimpses in her performances scattered throughout her filmography that I go, I see it. I see what people see, but I'm just, I'm not really like blown away by her. Um, the worst person absolutely in this film uh is carl urban listen i love me some carl urban just saw him in star star trek beyond a few weeks ago great dude uh i liked him in dread um he, he when he pops up in films i look forward to him because he's got like this gruffness about him that's just so kick-assery so i enjoy him however every single line of dialogue that he delivered out of his mouth in this movie i was like I was on the verge of, like, laughing. Like, I smiled and just kind of grinned or whatever because it was just so poorly uh, executed and stuff. And, like, he would just deliver it. It was just very stale and whatnot. And he's the bad guy in the film. He wants to take down the dragon. I don't know, fondle it or whatever the fuck he was going to do with it. But, uh, yeah, just every line he delivered was just so piss poor. <laughs> There's a dragon over there. Like, <laughs> that, that's how it fucking was. So, yeah, I didn't really care for Carl Room, but everyone else is fine. Um... 
cinematography, there's a lot of great um, looks in this film. I really like uh, the the fact that this director kind of captured like the small town mentality and I liked um, just the way the town looked and stuff. It looked very, you know, very old and vintage and whatnot. It looks very small and very communal and whatnot, like as if everyone knows each other. Um, the woods looked really good. I liked the greens that popped out and it kind of adds to this whole like magical adventure by making it look like this magical fairy tale looking place. Um, it kind of had the same color scheme as... Uh, the movie I saw earlier this summer was Swiss Army Man. You know, that movie set in the woods a lot and stuff. So I kind of felt like they um, uh, looked kind of similar in terms of the, the way the, the mystical, magical element of it. Um, and the way the dragon looks, uh, I really... Um, the CGI looks really good and stuff. And the the fur on the, uh, the dragon looks really good. The colors on it and stuff. So it, it matches with the cinematography very, very well. It pops out whenever it needs to. It blends in whenever it needs to. Uh, it's a very well shot movie. Editing wise, uh, I believe the movie is a couple hours. I believe the movie has a great opening. It kind of has a really good follow up after that. But the middle of the movie, when Pete is out of the forest, it's like oh, okay, it's whatever. It's just like average at that point. So I liked every element uh, of when Pete was with the dragon or when Pete was with the dragon in the woods and whatnot. So. Yeah, the way it's edited, it's kind of like a hit and miss. It's like a, it's very powerful. It hooks you. After that, it's really good, and then it just kind of dips down. And you're like, okay, is this movie about to be over? And then when you see the final act come, and you're like, all right, thank you. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's fine to sit through uh, for the most part. I think your kids will be entertained, and I think if you're a fan of the original, um, I think you'll be entertained by this. But I'm not going to say it's like you know going to be this destined classic or whatever. So, my overall thoughts, guys, I think it's a very solid family film. It's cutesy, the dragon is cute, cuddle, uh, cuddly or whatever, I, w- I want to cuddle that fucker. Um, the performances are fine, uh, Carl Urban is awful, the story is very generic, but in the terms of the way it's delivered, I think it's just delivered as a nice family film that you can just take everyone to. It's very harmless, but uh, overall, guys... I kind of have a soft spot for it, um, even though it's just very generic and average, it's delivered quite well. So I'm going to get Peach Dragon, the 2016 version, a solid B. There you go. So, um, yeah, it was actually a pretty good weekend, guys. You know, Peach Dragon, B, uh, a B, and Sasha's Party, a B-. minus. I think this was a very good weekend for films. And uh, next weekend, I'm really looking forward to uh, the next slate, but uh, we'll get to that in just a second. So, have you seen Peach Dragon, or have you even heard of it? Did you even know they were remaking it? Did you even know it was in theaters? Comment and place it on my face and let me know. All right, guys, let's get into the uh, box office uh, results. Uh, once again, I forgot my header. Hold on, guys. Okay, so let's do it, guys. Let's talk about the box office. All right. Let's refresh this. Ooh. 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 Okay, I like these numbers. All right. All right, so coming in... Well, first of all, we have to discuss some of the limited releases... Oh, God, that's awful. Uh, there was one movie that made like $9,000 this week, so that sucks. Um, Hell or High Water, Anthropoid, and Florence Foster Jenkins all came out in kind of limited release or whatever. Uh, Hell or High Water came out with uh, $592,000, which I hear is a very good fucking film. I cannot wait to check that out whenever it comes out. Anthropoid, $1.2 million. 
I actually really want to check that out, but I don't know if I want to pay 10 bucks for it. And Florence Foster Jenkins says the Meryl Streep movie came in at number 8 with $6.5 million. And it came out in 1,500 theaters, so I guess it's okay. Um, all right. So number five is Bad Moms with $11.4 million. This thing's a fucking juggernaut. Dear Lord. Um, its budget is $20 million, so you double that. And with marketing, you're looking at maybe $50 million um, to break even. It's made 77 worldwide and 71 domestic, which is the U.S. and Canada. That's insane. And for the directors, uh, John Lucas and Scott Moore, who directed you know the Hangover movie, uh, the first one. Or, no, they didn't direct it. Sorry. Excuse me. Realize I'm wrong. They wrote it. Um, they haven't really had a hit since then. So the fact that Bad Moms is doing so well, that's awesome. So good for them. I thought Bad Moms was fine. Just an average little comedy. And Catherine Hahn is bae. All right. Number four is Jason Bourne with $13.6 million. Okay. Domestically, it's uh, at 126 And worldwide, it's at 246 on a budget of 120, so double that, you're looking at 240. But with marketing, um, I'm going to say they probably spent about 30 to 40 million. So I'm going to say for shits and giggles that it needs about 275 to break even. So the fact that it's at 246 worldwide, I mean, it's pretty good. I really like the movie quite a bit. Um, I think it's a very solid action film. So number three, Pete's Dragon with 21.5 million. Okay. So domestically right now it's at 21 and worldwide it's at 26 and uh, its budget is 65 so double that we're looking at 130 and with marketing I'm going to say probably 20 to 30 so I'm going to say for shits and giggles 150 to break even it's at 26 worldwide and you know I've talked to a lot of people and they didn't even fucking know this movie was coming out so <laughs> like I said it's not anything spectacular if you want to wait until it comes out and um uh, rental or DVD or whatever, I would suggest to see it that way uh, versus like Sausage Party where I gave a lower grade but I still would recommend seeing it in theaters. Um, number two, Sausage Party with $33.6 million. That's actually a lot. That's a lot more than I thought I would make and I, I didn't think it was going to make that much but 33.6 is fucking phenomenal for that movie. Uh, its budget is $19 million, so to double that, you're looking at $38. Um, with marketing... Uh, I'm going to say for shits and giggles, once again, $50 million to break even. The fact that it's at 33 right now is awesome. So it'll definitely make its money back and then some. So congratulations. And number one, second week in a row, Suicide Squad with $43.7 million. Um, right now, domestically, it's at 222 which is insane. Um, worldwide, it's at 465 um, its budget is 175, so double that you're looking at 350. But with marketing, I'm gonna say they spent a lot of marketing, so I'm gonna say 450 million to break even. The fact that it's at 465 tells me just by like a guesstimate that it's actually in the green right now, making a little bit of profit, but it still needs to make a lot more to consider like a success. Right now, it's just kind of doing okay. Saw the movie again during the week, guys. I gave it a C plus. Um, on last week's episode, I gotta tell you, I gotta drop it down to a C minus. It is not that. It's just not good. Like after seeing it twice, I'm just like, I can't do it. I can't fucking buy it. I don't want to rewatch it. Um, 
Sorry. So, yeah, I, I know I have a change of heart. So, uh, that will do it, guys, for this week's episode of uh, uh, Real Me and Colonel Movie Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. And once again, watching on YouTube and you want an audio only version, link will be in the description below. And if you're listening on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or SoundCloud and you want a video version, link will be in the description below. And uh, Facebook Live, continue the conversation down below and I will answer them accordingly. And uh, uh, yeah, this was uh, episode 142, guys, for uh, next week, episode 143. I will have my reviews of War Dogs and uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Looking forward to both. It should be another good weekend. So that will be next weekend's show. And then the following weekend, so two weeks from now, I will have Carrie Darling on from the Star-Telegram, the um, news outlet in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, he was on last year, and we talked about our fall movies from September to December. Uh, We're doing that again. So two weeks from now... uh, uh, I will have carry on and we will talk about our fall anticipation uh, and what movies we're looking forward to and whatnot. We'll just go week by week and that's what the main show will be about. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, but next week though is War Dogs and Kubo and the Two Strings. Excited to talk about those. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you guys for uh, uh, watching and listening and whatnot. You guys are fucking awesome. Every single week, you guys are the true heroes. I salute all of you. I love you all. Um... You guys are uh, definitely my favorite people on the planet. The people that listen to this uh, uh, video and audio podcast and me ranting about movies and shit. So, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Real Chase Lee. Subscribe to my YouTube page uh, to get up to date on when I do these things live. Follow me on Spreaker. You know, subscribe to iTunes, rate and review. You know, spread this around and tell people that this is a damn good podcast and you should listen to it. Um, And maybe your ears won't bleed after the first 10 seconds. Uh, But yeah, uh, and then Facebook Live, once again, I will see you guys next week. Um, And then uh, just to wrap it up, once again, I am sponsored by Rebecca Manor Photography at RebeccaManor.com. Check it out. Link will be in the description below. And the intro and outro music is done by my friend's band, Fervent Rose. Check them out. Link in the description below. And hey, listen, guys, if you made it through this entire podcast, because I know I forgot to mention in the beginning of the episode, and you are not a movie fan... Well, hopefully, I convinced you to be one. I'm Chase Lee, guys. I will see you guys next week for another episode of this somewhat okay movie podcast. So, I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Fucking sausage party, man. It's going to scar your dreams. It's going to scar you for nightmares. I'll see you guys next week.